0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie Murphy. Hello, hello, hi, hey, howdy. Why don't I say howdy more? I should really be greeting you guys with more frequent howdies. Anyway, how's everybody doing? I just got my nails done, so I'm feeling like a new woman today. I feel like Sigourney Weaver. I am the all-powerful warden of Camp Green Lake. Uh, No, but I am your host today and always, hopefully, until I lose this job, which is hopefully never. My name is Maddie. Thanks for being here. How are you? I'll pause after I ask to give you time to respond. How are you? Yeah. Well, I'm doing pretty good. Can't complain. As of right now, I completed my to-do list today, which always feels good. Um, I completed it because I've recently come to the unfortunate conclusion that I am, in fact, in charge of how my day goes. That really bums me out. You know, it's interesting, though, to be the boss and the employee, because some days, I bet you, you self-employed girlies can relate to this, because some days I'm like this bitch is in charge. I'm I'm not doing anything today. And then some days I'm like this bitch is in charge. I better get to it. I better get going on my list. We're working on our employee employer relationship right now. <laughs> you know when you just have those moments that you realize you're in charge of your life? Hate that. Hate that. That's weird. It's very weird. I also find myself like disappointed in myself a lot. Not, not like on a sad fundamental level. <laughs> like, I'm pretty good with who I am for the most part. Just with like interests that I have. Like, sometimes I realize that things that I like, I would very much judge someone else for liking them. Like, last night, I ate a bologna and American cheese sandwich on a dinner roll. I'm going to say that again. Last night, I ate a bologna and American cheese sandwich on a dinner roll. I can't even believe that's an edible thing that I can put into my body. And if anyone did that in front of me, I would seriously consider stabbing them. That's foul. Same with liking Grey's Anatomy. I feel the same way about liking Grey's Anatomy as I do about eating bologna. Like every time I see someone quote it or post about it or like it, I'm like, okay, Get some taste, but then literally every single night, I'm like, hmm, should I rewatch seasons one through five for literally the 20th time or just seasons 13 through 15 for the third time? Just goes to show that you can never really judge anyone. None of us can really judge anyone, but damn it, we're gonna do our best to make it happen. So, last week's episode was a trip for so many reasons. And before we get into today's topic, which is totally different, I just want to tack on two stories to last week's crazy coincidence episode. I can't believe I forgot to share this one story with you guys. I told Lucy about it. She's like, how did you not put that in the episode? Got to be honest, totally forgot until about three days after the episode came out. So anyway, my brother, my oldest brother, his name's Chad. He's also Lord Birthday, if any of you want to look him up on Instagram that's his, that's what his art is under. So Chad was moving into a new house in Oregon and it was built in like the 1970s. So it was a bunch of weird like crawl space. Also it's in Oregon so everything's weird. But anyway, he was like going through an attic space and he said he he had a flashlight and he shined shined shone pointed. He pointed the flashlight over at a corner and there was like a bunch of newspapers like stuffed in the wall and like on the ground. And he looked at it and he said that he thought he saw himself on the newspaper. He thought he saw it and he like saw a picture of himself. So he did a double take and it wasn't him, but it was an old newspaper clipping from the seventies from an Oregon newspaper about my dad. And Chad and my dad look a lot alike. Like they, I feel like they look the most alike than, I don't know. Maybe of all my brothers, I don't, I don't know. That's a biased outlook, obviously. But they look a lot like they have the same build. So Chad saw, it, thought he saw a picture of himself, but then he it was a picture of my dad in this random house in Oregon that he bought. That is that is weird. <laughs> that is some Black Mirror BC bull crap right there. The second weird coincidence is actually a DM that I got after the episode came out, and I'm so sorry I forgot to screenshot. I would give you credit for this. Please DM me and I will do my best to give you a proper shout out. But this girl DM'd me and she said that she pulled up to Costco and opened her door at the same time as the girl next to her. And they were both listening to the crazy coincidence episode. (laughs) What? What? So like my FBI agent or alien overlord or whoever you are, you can come out now because I'm on to you. That's crazy. It is. It is. It really is. Anyway, today's episode is a a sharp left turn from crazy coincidences, I would say. But it is even juicier than I could have ever imagined. It's inspired by a viral tweet from a guy named Solomon Giorgio. But his tweet said, and I posted it on my Instagram, I just I really want to make sure I give give them credit. I did not think of this idea. The tweet says, I don't care about celebrity gossip. Give me the small scale gossip. I want to know why the night shift employees at Kohl's are mad at each other. And a lot of you guys sent me that tweet and I found myself saying, same, Solomon. I too am interested in the small scale gossip. And when I announced this episode, a lot of you said that there's also a podcast that covers only this topic called normal gossip. I have not listened to it, but a lot of you guys liked it. I'm just putting it out there that if you're into these types of stories, there is a podcast that does only that. I'm going to listen to it so I can give you guys my, my honest review. I just truly have not listened to it. People ask me that a lot, like what podcasts I listen to. And I've, I've definitely, I've definitely pumped the brakes on my podcast consumption. Uh, one, because now I kind of know like the back, how, how the sausage is made, if you will. And sometimes I get stressed when I like, it's like, I don't know. I assume it's like being a baker. And when people use different butter than you, it's kind of stresses you out a little bit. And you just can't really, you can't really get past that. Also, I get really jealous of podcasts sometimes because I hear other people and they're really good at it or their podcasts are like humongous and have a bajillion reviews that are amazing. And I get jelly. So I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. (laughs) That was a really, really, really long winded way to tell you that Uh, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but I respect the crap out of podcast hosts and anybody who starts one. And I think that there are so many talented people out there with amazing audio content. So anyway, back to what we're tackling today, the small scale gossip, the low risk shit talking, because there is low risk and there's high risk. Low risk gossip is either you're like a full 10 people removed from it or like nobody's life is getting destroyed. High-risk gossip is like you're gonna ruin someone's life by passing it along or acting on it. Be, be warned about high-risk gossip. It's not easily mended. I've been on the receiving end. I've been on the delivering end. Neither great. Neither is great. But that delicious small-scale gossip is really all you need in life. Small-scale gossip is like water. It's like water, we all need it. It's more accessible, you know, we can get it in a lot of different forms. High risk gossip is like fine wine or like expensive whiskey, like something something that nobody needs to live and it's a luxury for really rich people. And if you partake in it too much, people will die. So let's stick to the small scale stuff. I also want to point out in my obvious scientific and biological expertise that low-risk shit-talking is actually evolutionarily beneficial. I was about to lie and tell you guys that I read a, read the book Sapiens. I read about four pages of Sapiens. It's dry. It's dry. It's informative, but it's dry. But in the book Sapiens, I did know this quote existed in there, and so I just looked it up. It says, social cooperation." By the way, Sapiens is like a history. It's like this really long book. It's like a history of humans. Like, I feel like, I don't know. People love it. One day I'm going to get through it, but it's tough. Anyway, Sapiens says, social cooperation is our key for survival and reproduction. It's not enough for individual men and women to know the whereabouts of lions and bison, he wrote. "It's It's much more important for them to know who in their band hates whom, who is sleeping with whom, who is honest, who is a cheat, This information about which individuals could be trusted, in other words, gossip, allowed early humans not only to survive, but also to expand their tribes. Long hours spent gossiping helped with the early humans to forge friendships and hierarchies, which in turn helped to establish the social order and cooperation that eventually set them apart from the rest of the animal kingdom. So, I hope you all know that we have survived this long because of our ability to talk shit. So basically, you owe me you're welcome. This episode is on the same life-saving level as a vaccine. You are now immune to idiots now that I've told you what to look out for. Also, I just got to say, this is one of those weeks that I just love my job. I love knowing your weird little lives. And I especially love how many of you guys listening, you girls, gays, and theys. I love how many of you guys (laughs) use this podcast to try to get back at people who wronged you. I get submissions all the time that are like, Please read this. I told my mother not to listen to this episode, but I'm too scared to tell her in real life what I actually think about her. But I want you to do it on the podcast. I never read those in the podcast. I just delete them and then I read the stories. But also I respect that. I'm a neutral third party here. I'm here to offer feedback. And you're more than welcome to take it or leave it. Like when, when I read people's stories and I give give them advice back, sometimes I get messages that are like, you know, you did not give me very good advice. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm just saying stuff. And then when people are like, that advice was so good. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm just saying stuff. So, time to begin reading your stories of what small scale drama you're dealing with. I also have some of my own, but I think they're sprinkled throughout. So, we'll get to those in a moment. This episode of the Bad Broadcast is brought to you by Butcher Box. You know what I think of when I think of high quality meats i usually think of something i can't afford and probably served at a restaurant not at my own home however butcher box takes the guesswork out of finding high quality meat and seafood that you can actually trust it's 100% grass-fed beef free-range organic chicken pork raised crate-free and wild-caught salmon it's humanely raised with no antibiotics or added hormones you can get what you want delivered right to your doorstep There's free shipping for the continental U.S. and no surprise fees. You can also choose from a variety of box plan options from curated to customized, and you can change your plan whenever you want. I took some of this meat over to my parents and I made them dinner the other night. I just put some of the chicken tenderloins in the air fryer, cooked them for like eight minutes at 400. They came out perfectly tender. And you can now take chicken breasts off your grocery list because ButcherBox is offering my listeners an incredible deal that they've never offered before. Free chicken for a year. You can get two pounds of free range organic chicken breasts when you sign up at butcherbox.com bad and use the code bad. It's so much delicious food for such a great price. You can claim this deal again, two pounds of free range organic chicken breasts for free in every order. When you go to butcherbox.com bad and use the code bad. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is sponsored by Chime. You know what goes with a great summer vibe? How about a fat checking account with no monthly fees? I can't really help you out with the the checking account number, but I can't help you out with the no monthly fees. With no monthly fees, no maintenance fees, or minimum balance fees, it's how banking should be. Chime is a refreshing way to handle your money. And when you need to access your money, you can do so fee-free, at more than 60,000 in-network ATMs at many locations like most Walgreens, 7-Eleven, and CVS. Yes, I love not being charged for my own money. You can also send money to anyone, even if they aren't on Chime. Fee-free for you and no cash-out fees for them. Chime has no monthly fees, no vibe-killing fees. Sign up for a Chime checking account today. It only takes two minutes and it doesn't affect your credit score. Get started at Chime.com slash bad. That's Chime.com slash bad. Chime is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by and debit card issued by the Bancorp Bank or Stride Bank, NA, members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees apply except at MoneyPass ATM in a 7-Eleven location and at any Allpoint or Visa Plus Alliance ATM. Other fees, such as third-party and cash deposit fees, may apply. What's the vibes? I'm EJ, head of special projects at DBA, and this is Who's On Content, a show that explores and dissects the influential, behavioral-altering power of content through thought-provoking, culturally relevant, and industry-shifting dialogues. We're chatting with social media platform leaders, marketers, journalists, And content creators contributing to the content shaping the global society we live in. I mean, folks, let's face it. Content is everywhere. It's visual. It's audible. Hell, it's even edible. Go with me for a second. The content of your favorite restaurant informs the content of your Yelp review. (laughs) See what we did there? Tune in to hear who's on content. Let's begin we're going to start off really strong with some Utah micro-influencer drama, which I know all of my Utah girlies are so excited about. Is it like that with other states? Like when I hear the word Utah, I get so amped. I like I have such Utah pride anytime it's referenced in literally anything. When Susie from Stranger Things was from Utah, I I, I literally think about it every single day. Whenever she was on the screen, I paused it. I looked at everything on her wall, tried to see the view out her window. Pretty sure she lives in Provo. Uh, I love it. I love it, especially in the last like year or so. My Utah pride has really increased. I, I, I mean, you know, you know, people are iffy on Utah, and I totally get it. I've, I've, I've been on that train for a very, very long time, but I've embraced a lot about Utah, and I really, I really love it. I used to think like for sure I'm going to leave, and now I'm like, I could stay here. I could, I could love it here forever. So, yeah, there's things to improve, but I'm, I'm falling in love with Utah lately. Uh, so let's talk about some micro-influencer small-scale drama that got submitted. She says, there's a girl here in Utah that's basically an influencer, maybe a micro-influencer. No shade at all. I'm just trying to specify that it's not any of the huge mommy bloggers. She has a lot of Utah moms in a chokehold with what she recommends, her hobbies, recipes. But she posts recipes as if she came up with them, but she's really ripping them off from Pinterest. Hey, that's a problem. That's a problem for me. I have a problem with that because it's so easy to credit people who write the recipes. Also, it could like change somebody's life and business. If a micro-influencer recommends somebody's baking blog, like that could be so good for them, you know? Anyway, she continues on her story. She says the biggest issue is that everyone thinks she's the sweetest and super nice, but she is a bully. The mystique of the internet man, the mystique of the internet. I am um, also I'm so mad that you did not give me the name of who this is not because I want to share it. I would never share it, but I just want to do my own digging. I'm the nosiest bitch alive. Like, I just want to know. I want to know the details, but it's probably best that I don't. But there's a lot that all there's a lot that I'll tolerate from mommy bloggers. You know, like I tolerate all the beige and I tolerate the unrealistic like links to five thousand dollar tennis bracelets that nobody can afford. I even embrace like hyper curation. Like I I'm on board. I'm in board on board for like the golden age of influencers where everything was super curated. And like you had a very in-depth photo shoot baking a pie with your four year old. There's like fresh cut peonies in the sink. Like I'm here for it. I love it. But stealing recipes is where I draw the line. It's where I draw the line on what I will tolerate from an influencer someone went to all the work to create something. As a former bakery employee, I take this very personally. So if I had your name, I would write you a strongly worded subtweet that didn't actually say your name because I am kind of scared of, I'm kind of scared of you. Just the just the group as a whole. I mean, I know that may seem, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ironic. Ironic. We went over the definition of that yesterday because I guess I would be in that category. <laughs> this feels So stupid to talk about myself this way. But I guess I would be like in the micro influencer category. I don't know how well I gel with it. I have fun when I go to the events or when I meet people. I've had a really good experience, but it doesn't feel super natural. It's not coming super naturally to me. All right. Anyway, let's go on to the next one. I, I hated I, I might cut all that. I hated talking about myself like that. OK, She says, this girl I'm friends with through friends posted on her be real. And in the background, you can see an ultrasound of a very early baby on the fridge. She hasn't announced it yet, but now I'm just sitting around waiting for her to say something. That is so exciting for you to know about somebody's pregnancy. That's how I felt with Lucy's whole pregnancy, because she kept it off of social media. I mean, she would tell people in person, but no, like when she announced that she had a baby, it was like a huge shock to everybody. But I knew the whole time and it was so exciting. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that to you guys. I'm not going to tell you when I'm pregnant. But one day, you guys are going to, I mean, it's not going to happen anytime soon. I'm 1000% sure that I'm not pregnant. Uh, I am actually the opposite of pregnant. I'm on my period as we speak. Anyway, uh, one day I'm going to hop on here and I'm going to have a kid and you guys are not going to know what hit you. Anyway, are we in to be real? Are we liking Be Real? How's everybody feeling about it? I still personally can't decide. Mainly because my life is pretty repetitive. It gets it gets redundant. Like I do the same things basically every day. Get out of bed, wash my face, get coffee, sit in bed, write, get dinner, we watch a show, I go to bed. Like my my Be Real is being very real, but it's also pretty boring. Pretty boring. There's a reason that they script reality shows because literally everybody's life sucks. If I had a Truman Show style vibe going on in my life, which I can't talk about too much or else I get paranoid that it's actually happening, but there would be like full episodes of the, of the most boring content. This morning I had to reset my Apple CarPlay on my car, like media system. It took me like two full hours. And then I went to Target for another two hours and just compared bubble bath ingredients and prices. That was it. That was my whole day. So yeah, I don't think my Truman show would be an Emmy winner. Uh, And my B-reel feels like kind of a microcosm of that. So not a lot going on. Anyway, next up, she says, a little backstory for context. My parents are swingers, and while I could not care less what anyone does in the bedroom, they are overtly sexual about it, which makes me uncomfortable, especially when my kids are around. I've asked them several times that when my kids and I are around, it's family only, and they do not expose us to that. Over the weekend, my parents came into town. They live over 2,000 miles away to watch my kids so my husband and I could go celebrate our anniversary. On our drive home, I got a text from my mom letting me know that their current girlfriend has been over at my home, so she flew out here to be with them. She's been staying in my room with them and in my bed, and she's been around my children for the entire weekend. I do not know this woman, so it's not like it's someone I'm familiar with and trust. I'm so beyond upset, and I feel incredibly disrespected that they would invite someone into my home and have them around my kids without me ask without asking me first, let alone telling me for three days. This is the fourth time in the last year they have that they have broken a major boundary with me, or a major boundary I have set with them. So my husband and I have made the decision to kick them out of the house. We blocked them, and they are no longer welcome in our lives. I'm still in shock. First of all, I want to validate that this does not feel like small scale drama. I would be very upset. It also has, like, basically nothing to do with the fact that they're like in a relationship with her, that their swinger is sexual, whatever. Like if it was somebody that they just knew, if it was like a neighbor of theirs that randomly was in town and they let them stay around your kids and participate in like watching your kids, I would still be mad. And then that they're in your bed, that is intimate. (laughs) That's an intimate experience to have with a woman you do not know. I'm saying for you, for her to be in your bed, like even if you're not in the bed with her, just the fact that she has slept where you have slept. So I just, I mainly want to say that I do not think this is a small deal. (laughs) I really don't. I would be so, so, so mad if I had kids and just some random woman was there with them all weekend. I would hate it. I would hate it. Um, Okay. Next one. She says, I'm a part of my town's local Facebook group. (sighs) I love it. I love a Facebook group. You guys know, Sometimes there's good information about events or other things celebrating the community, but 99% of the time it's people posting and saying, does anyone know what those sirens were just for? Probably an emergency. (laughs) It really is the best source of small scale drama ever. Those mommy Facebook groups. Oh my gosh. It's so funny because it's like everybody has like an article about like mom shaming and like not judging each other, but then they all judge each other for literally everything. Mom's got to cool it. Mom's got to cool it on talking to each other about parenting. I fully believe that. Talk about something else. Talk about anything else. You're just making each other feel really bad. Also, if anyone, if anyone tells you, I'm, I'm learning this. I'm learning this lately. If anybody tells you that they can guarantee that they do something the right way or that they have like the best advice or that there's a 100% chance that this happens, they do not know anybody who guarantees anything is, is lying is absolutely lying. Nothing is guaranteed, especially with parenting advice. My mom and I were talking about this the other day. It's like, any, like no, don't listen to anyone is my advice. Talk about anything else but parenting. All right, next. <laughs> she says, my new coworker is 79. I work at a special needs preschool where we are constantly on the floor, interacting with kids, dealing with meltdowns, changing diapers, and everything else you would do with three to five-year-olds. She does not understand any of it. Everything has to be explained multiple times. Oh, I'm frustrated just thinking about this. I really am. Just even, I mean, first of all, you work at a preschool. Second of all, you work at a special needs preschool. Third of all, she's 80 years old. All right, she goes on. Some of the kids don't respond to their names and she will be on the other side of the classroom calling for them for two plus minutes when they don't understand what is going on. She's a nice woman. However, there should be an age limit on who can work in schools and especially in special ed preschools. I agree with you. Also worst coworkers, we need to do that episode again because having a frustrating coworker is such a specific annoyance of life. You know, it's like you can't really complain about it to your friends because it always has to do with your job specifically. It's it's so annoying. I had okay, my my toughest, well, top 3 hardest coworkers. Uh I have the perfect story to describe her. She <laughs> she was in love with this guy. She told us that she had been in love with him for 8 years, but 5 years earlier, he had come out to her and told her that he was like not bisexual, not interested in dating women at all. He was a gay man. And they went to a movie one night, like, and she came to work the next day and she was like, yeah, I don't know. He just like, he doesn't act like he likes me when we're together. And I'm like, yeah, he doesn't like you. She's like, no, it's not, it's not that. It's not that he doesn't like me. I'm like, okay. Uh, She's like, he just, he doesn't talk to me during movies. And for several moments I thought, but why, why would he talk to you during the movie? And I asked her that and she said, well, that's what you do during movies. You like you turn to each other and you discuss and you chat about what's going on. And I'm like, no, for, for sure, for sure. Like when you're in the comfort of your own home and it's just two people there. Uh, sure, you could you can talk to them all you want, but not when you're in a public movie theater around other moviegoers. And she's like, mm, no, I think everybody talks during movies. And I was like, no, I I really I promise you they don't. You just think they are because you're the one talking. And so you don't notice that nobody else is talking. But trust me, other people notice. She was just like, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's weird that he won't talk to me during movies. And I'm like, well, he's probably a normal person. Also, he doesn't like women. Anyway, stories like that would happen all the time. And I would just look at her and just be like, this is so much less about you not being aware that the guy you're in love with does not date women. And so much more that you're the type of person who thinks everyone talks during movies. What reality is that? Okay, next one. She says my husband's older brother is a surgeon and has five kids. They're moving to a new state and they're looking for a new house, so they ask the whole family to pray for them to find a house that everything and that everything will work out. They are so stressed they can't find a house because they're looking in the three hundred thousand dollar range. All they can find is older homes with three bedrooms and two bathrooms, but they have a million kids, so that doesn't really work. And they're oh, and they are approved for a seven hundred thousand dollar loan. And I just keep thinking, you're a surgeon, just buy a bigger house for more money. I'm sick of praying for you. (laughs) I'm sick of praying for you when you could just solve your own problem with all the money instead of my prayers. (laughs) We should tell people that when we stop praying. I am not praying for you anymore. All right, figure out your life. My prayers are not going to be wasted on you. I have more important things to talk to the Lord about. Oh my gosh. I don't understand anything about houses either. So like $300,000, that seems like so much money to me. But then you said that it's a small house with three bedrooms and two bathrooms. I don't know. People try and teach me about it. Like my brothers are like always throwing words around like escrow and equity. And I don't know, I just tune them out and pay my rent. That's, that's all I can do, you know? And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. When I'm going through it, when I'm having a little bit of an issue, sometimes I can get very stuck on the fact that I'm having an issue and not super focused on the fact that that issue probably has a solution. But when you're facing something hard, it's really tough to stay in problem-solving mode, especially if you're like me and you really like to stay in, well, let's just complain about it and get really sad mode. When you get stuck there, that's when therapy comes in. That's when you can rely on your therapist to help you find your own solutions. A therapist can help you become a better problem solver, making it easier to accomplish your goals, no matter how big or small. My goal for today was pick up my groceries. That's a small goal. But because I'm in therapy, I was able to do it without spiraling. I'm in therapy twice a week. I go once on my own, once with Matt, and it has basically changed every facet of my life. I will swear by it till the end of time. If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. You can get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and switch therapists at any time. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash bad today to get 10% off of your first month. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash bad. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Seed. If you have tummy issues, like most of us do, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. I have tummy issues. I've had them my whole life. I didn't realize how badly I needed a probiotic. And then I tried basically every single one that I could get my hands on. Turns out not all probiotics are created equal. Kind of a bummer. What's not a bummer is that Seed's DS1 Daily Symbiotic is the real deal. The Daily Symbiotic is a broad spectrum two-in-one probiotic and prebiotic. It's formulated for digestive, gut immune, and additional systemic benefits. Also, it's got a capsule-in-capsule design which means it's protected against stomach acid, digestion enzymes, and bile salts for viability through digestion. This means the live probiotics will actually get to where they need to go, aka the colon. If you've taken a probiotic before and never felt a difference, it's probably because the good bacteria wasn't surviving your GI tract. Seed is designed differently and that's why it works. It also supports benefits in and beyond the gut. So yes, it will support the ease of bloating, healthy regularity, Ease of evacuation, but it will also support your gut barrier, skin health, heart health, and micronutrient synthesis. So start a new healthy habit today. Visit seed.com/bad and use the code BAD to redeem 20% off of your first month of Seeds DS1 Daily Symbiotic. That's seed.com/bad and use the code BAD for 20% off of your first month. Okay, uh, next one. She says, My favorite mom friend has become distant. And I think it's because my kid is cuter than hers and she knows it. Oh, spicy, spicy lady. Uh, I think probably every mom thinks this about their kid. As you should. As you should. I'm not saying that's a bad thing that everybody thinks that their kid. I would feel worried if you did not think that your kid was the cutest possible kid. You know? I mean, some of us can some of us can be objective about the cuteness of kids objectivity feels very tough to do as a parent. And I I mean that seriously. I don't mean that in a snarky way. It does feel like it's hard to be objective about what your kid is like because they are like part of you. They're the love of your life. They're like your heart outside of your body. I know all of that. But like, how do you do it? How do you stay objective with your kids? I feel like like when I watch my friend's parents, my friend's parent yeah when i watch my friend's parent their kids i'm always really impressed because i feel like they're pretty realistic about like what their kid is good at and what they are like and how they treat other people and all that but it's still hard like i feel like i will think my kid is way better than they actually are i think my mom did that with me i think she really thought i was good at a lot of stuff that i was not good at and it made me confident it also made me a little bit delusional All right. Let's go on to the next one. She says, first of all, oh, this is just a little, this is a little podcast compliment. I kept it in because they make me feel good. First of all, I just want to say that I adore you and your podcast. I could listen to three hour long episodes of you just chatting away and I would be perfectly content. Obviously, I'm not expecting you to record three hour long episodes, but just using it to express my love for you. Thanks. I'm just going to sit with that for a minute. Okay. Let's go on. She says, this is probably one of the most dramatic pieces of gossip in my neighborhood growing up. There was a woman in my parents' neighborhood who would often text other women women sorry in the neighborhood when they weren't home telling them that she had stopped by to drop off a cake or other baked goods and she didn't want to leave it outside in the sun or in the cold or whatever. And she would ask if she could put it in their house so it didn't go bad. We lived in a good neighborhood and most people would give their garage code or tell them where their spare key was or something like that so she could get in and drop off the treat. But when they got home, there was no baked good in the house or the fridge. Interesting. The plot thickens. It happened for a while and the people got and then people got suspicious after it kept happening over and over again. Finally, one family in our neighborhood decided to stage a sting operation after it had happened to them so many times. They set up a nanny cam in their kitchen and the next time she texted them, they caught her on camera standing on their counters and rummaging through their cupboards. Turns out she had a prescription drug addiction and she would target people who had recently had surgery or given birth, et cetera, because she knew who would have painkillers. This is actually a, this is like a, a, a mystery novel. I feel like somebody needs to elaborate on this. That's like if John Grisham wrote an episode of Real Housewives. Anyway, they dealt with it by moving out of the neighborhood. They were a nice family and I felt bad about what happened, but mostly that they didn't try to get her help. Most people didn't and still don't know what happened. That is sad, first of all, sad that that lady's doing that to an intriguing storyline. It sounds like that Kristen Bell TV show that came out, The girl with the house across from the guy of the street with the with the wine. I don't even know what the title of the show is, but that's what it sounds like. Okay. Time for another one of my small scale drama things that has happened to me. This is one of the most bizarre things that has happened in my life. And I don't even know how to describe it, but I'm just going to try. So, when I was in college, I met this guy and I introduced myself. We made the connection that he knew my sister in law and we just chatted for like a second, just said hi, whatever, moved on. I texted my sister in law and I said, Hey, I just met this guy who said he's your friend from high school. And she's like, Yeah, I totally know him. So then my sister in law runs into him like a couple days later at school. And she's like, "Oh, you met my my sister-in-law, you met Maddie." And he was like, "No, I I didn't. I've never met anybody by that name. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know her." Okay, weird. So my sister-in-law calls me and she's like, "He said he didn't meet you." I'm like, "That's extremely bizarre because I absolutely have met him." So then I run into him again, probably a year later. And I'm like, "Hey, how how weird is that? You like you must have forgotten or something that she's my sister in law. We both know her. Remember we talked about this. Whatever. He's like, no, I never, I never knew that that was your sister in law. I, I had no clue that you guys were related. I'm like, okay, weird because that was like the main topic of our conversation. But whatever, I'll move on. Again, this last year. So this was this happened probably six months ago. So it's been like years since the initial first meeting. I was doing an event and I ran into him again at my event. Okay. (laughs) I feel like that's really an important distinction here. It was at a thing for the bad broadcast. I run into him and I'm like, Hey, good to see you. He says, we've never met before. He said, you and I have never met. I actually don't know who you are. I don't know who you are. And I said, you are here at an event." For the bad broadcast. And I have met you several times before this. I've also interacted with you about our mutual friend who is my sister in law. Then at the same event, my sister in law showed up and he said, What are you doing here? She said, That's my sister in law. He said, Oh, I had no idea. I had no idea that was your sister in law. So my sister in law and I get on the phone the next day and for days, we're going over this, trying to figure out why this has happened. What, why has this happened so many times? And I still don't know. I'm just like on pins and needles, waiting for the next time I interact with him for him to pretend he doesn't know who I am. It is the weirdest thing. It's the weirdest plot point in my Truman Show. I I can't get over it. So I will keep you guys posted, if and when it happens again. It's bound to happen. Okay, let's get into more of your drama. She says, I see a lot of men complaining about women just. Just tell us what to do when the woman says she would like help around the house, but doesn't want to constantly ask for help. From one side, I get it. Men can't read minds. But on another, no one ever told me I needed to take out the trash. It's full. I take it out. No one is telling me that the car needs an oil change. I see the light turn on. I get it taken care of. Men can and should be just as involved in taking care of a house and shouldn't have to ask. I get the sentiment behind how can I help you? Or what do you need? What do you need help with? What can I do for you? I get, I get it. It's, it comes from a good place. I think for the most part, I think when people ask that they are usually really, truly wanting to be helpful, but you know, what's even more helpful just doing it and not needing an explanation done is better than perfect. Okay. You don't have to do everything perfectly, exactly right. If whatever, but just doing something, taking an action is always going to make your wife happier. Like, I don't mean to feed into gender norms. I know a lot of men stay home with kids and a lot of women are out of the house working. There's a lot of different relationship dynamics. But whatever whatever your role, if you are participating in a household, just participating is very, very helpful. All right. I loved this drama because it was something that I'd never thought about. She says, being left-handed. There are not enough accommodations for left-handed people. Did you know that we are more likely to die at an earlier age? I thought it would be better once I was done with school, but no, it's still awful. Credit card machines, little pens with chains at the bank, kitchen utensils, scissors, eating next to someone. The list goes on and on. It's a first world problem, but it's so annoying. We should riot. We should riot. You should run for the presidency on a this and this alone. Justice for lefties. JFL. Okay, next one. My dad is one drama after the other. He claims that with absolutely no proof and purely pretend rumors that he has a twin and that he was separated at birth from him. He has told everyone his theory because his older brother had told him he never remembered his mom being pregnant with my dad, thus he must have come from another thus he must have come from another woman. He says that many people have told him that they thought they saw someone that looked just like him which who hasn't had this experience. The real drama came this last week when his third wife called me drunk and told me that he was in jail again over a voicemail. Did I mention his third wife is the sister-in-law to his second wife? First, he cheated on my mom with his work friend who was also married, married her, then moved to be next to her brother where he fell in love with his new wife's sister-in-law that has four kids and moved on to marry her. He has since had two DUIs and is currently in jail for aggravated assault. This sounds like a great guy. As a roundup, that's three families torn apart, three arrests and one imaginary twin brother. Sorry if you ever run into him, but it was probably his twin. Whoa, whoa, that is a lot going on. I feel like these are big deal, big deal drama things. I mean, you guys are really downplaying the the stuff that you're going through. But let's let's talk about this next one. This one, I do feel like it's small drama because it's high schoolers. She says, girl, I love the small drama. I'm a 10th grade teacher and I live to hear the tea. There have been so many times that I have rooted for a couple just for them to tell me they broke up awkwardly when I asked them how it's going. I have played matchmaker a few times, which is pure bliss for a few weeks. And then an absolute disaster when they refuse to sit in their seats because they don't want to see that person. Life tip. If you, too, love the small drama, get into education. There's always something going on. Relationships, coworkers, sports teams. It's got it all. I did always dream of being a high school teacher. I still think I would do it. I I still think I would not that I have any qualifications. Okay. I do want to tell you guys another, another one of my own stories, my other small scale story that happened at work one time. So I was working at a restaurant and I was a hostess and also I worked as an expo. An expo in a kitchen is like you stand in the kitchen and you like keep the food organized, and you like the tickets come in. You make sure that every table has all of its food. You send it out with the servers. It's like you're the middleman between the servers and the kitchen staff. It was like my dream job. i still I still really loved that job being an Expo. But I was also working as a hostess. And when you're working as a hostess, you have to make sure that you're like seating all of the servers equally. You're not overloading anybody, but you're making sure that everybody's getting enough tables. You kind of have to balance balance it. so, I worked both of those positions at the same restaurant. One morning I'm working as a hostess. One of the servers comes up to me while I'm talking to a guest and they start complaining to me about how I'm not seating them enough and how they want more tables. And I'm like, you know what? Why don't you just, I'll come talk to you in a minute. I'm just helping this person. Just give me a second. And then he gets a little snippy with me in front of a guest while I'm hosting. He's like, well, I'm going to need more tables. It's not worth it for me to be here if you're not going to give me more, more tables. And I say, I almost said his name. And I say, just go to the back. I will be there in a moment, okay? So I put my hand like on his shoulder and I'm like, can you go to the back and I'll come talk to you in a second. So then the guest leaves, I get them seated, whatever. I go to the back, he's standing in the kitchen and he full yells at me, full yells at me, never touch me in front of a guest ever again. And I lose my shit. I'm like, first of all, you're coming up to me while I'm talking to somebody and you're getting mad at me for how I'm doing my job. You're fine. Okay. You've been here for an hour at work. You can deal with getting a couple tables a little bit later in the day. Deal with it. So I'm pissed. I now hate this guy. At the beginning, we were kind of, I was thinking maybe we were going to hook up in the walk-in freezer one time. Uh, I was single at the time. (laughs) I wasn't married. Don't worry. Uh, And I was like, maybe, maybe we were going to hook up. Now I'm like, okay, now you're my least favorite person ever. So then the next day I'm working as an expo. So I'm working in the kitchen and he is serving. So when you're working as an expo, obviously you see all the food come up in the window and then you take it out, whatever. You don't miss food. Like if it's in the window, you're going to see it. Also, the kitchen staff is going to be there and they're going to say, hey, you forgot to take this out or you forgot to send this out, whatever. So I leave my shift after working and my boss calls me and he says, you let food die in the window really dramatic way to say it, but that's basically what it means when you leave food in there for too long and you can't go out. So he's like, you let food die in the window. And this, this, this table didn't get their food. And we had to comp their whole meal and we're going to take it out of your paycheck because you didn't run the food out. And I'm like, how would I have missed that food? I didn't see it. It wasn't in the window. Well, it turns out that this guy, this guy who hated me because I didn't see them enough tables at breakfast, he took the food and he set it in the back and he didn't run it out. He saw the food come up in the window. I didn't notice he took it out and he didn't take food to his own table. And then he comped their whole meal. And then he blamed me for it. You know what? I'm going to say it. His name was Peter and I do not wish him well. I think about it all the time. No, I don't, I don't hold grudges easily. Why do you ask? Why? It's not like I haven't been able to let go of this for the last seven years. I actually literally looked him up on Instagram the other day. I almost sent him a hate DM. This episode of the Bad Broadcast is sponsored by Way. We are rough on our scalps. I think we maybe don't notice how rough we are on our scalps, especially with the weather changing. We're going into fall and winter now. Some of us get a little more oily. Some of us get drier. We're pulling up our hair tight. We're doing dry shampoo. We're doing all of the things to our scalp. Did you know that the way to healthier hair starts with a healthy scalp? makes sense going right to the source a little care goes a long way for healthier looking hair ways scalp serum balances hydrates and soothes irritation creating an ideal environment for hair to thrive you just drop this skincare inspired serum on your scalp because it is skin it needs skincare you drop it on daily and leave it in morning or night wet or dry hair i did not realize how much i needed to take care of my scalp and then my hair was not growing it looked very dull Once I started taking care of the skin where the hair was coming from, boom, immediate change. I especially love that it has hyaluronic acid in it because I live somewhere very dry and I need the extra moisture on my scalp. Way's Scalp Serum helps support the appearance of thicker, healthier hair, and it's all vegan, gluten, and cruelty-free ingredients, and it's in 100% recyclable packaging. It's also safe for color-treated and chemical-treated hair. The way to healthy hair starts with the scalp. So shop Waze all new scalp serum by going to dot com and use the code BAD to get 15% off your entire purchase. That's 15% off your entire purchase at dot com. code BAD. Okay, let's go on to the next one. She says, Maddie, this is small scale gossip, but it does involve a felony and a misdemeanor charge. Finally, an excuse to tell you this. That's how I felt this whole episode. Like, finally, I have an excuse to tell this story. Like, every story I've told, what episode would that fit in? None of them. But it's just this small, the small things that I really want to share with you guys. Okay, she goes on. A few years ago, my husband and I were in college in Idaho. Our piano was due to be tuned, and I wasn't sure who to hire since it's a small town and I hadn't needed to hire a piano tuner before. I decided to just look up who the university piano technician was, and I emailed him to inquire if he did house calls for piano tuning. he <laughs> I never, ever imagined that I would start a podcast where I talk about piano tuner drama. All right. Um, I emailed him to see if he did house calls. He said he did, and we went back and forth via email for the next few days about scheduling. We hadn't settled on a day or time yet, but I told my husband that I'd contacted him and that I should have it scheduled soon. I realized that this story is boring and dry AF so far. A day or two later, I come home from work and my husband says, hey, the piano tuner is coming next Thursday. He called me today and I set it up. What? How did the university tuner get my husband's number? Why did he call him instead of emailing me? Was it actually the same guy I'd email? What was his name? These were my questions and my husband didn't know the answer to any of them. You guys, (laughs) the drama. He said the tuner was doing a special 50% off sale, so he just scheduled the appointment. He assumed that I randomly must have given him or given the university tuner his number to set it up. I didn't. I was so confused. It was a great price. So we just decided to keep the appointment a couple days before. Oh, we just decided to keep the appointment. A couple days before the appointment, which I was not going to be home for, by the way, our tuner called my husband, who would be home for the tuning, to confirm the appointment. This time, he took note of what he said on the phone call and later told me his name was, it's changed, Schmidt or Smith or Schultz or something. He didn't know for sure. But one thing I knew was that it was not the university piano tuner I had initially emailed. The names were in no way similar. I was so wildly curious about who this man was, how he knew we needed our piano tuned and how he got my husband's number. The day of the appointment, the tuner showed up for sure, not the university tuner, fixed the sticky keys and tuned the piano, took payment and left. No big deal. My husband forgot to ask him how he got our information. How? How did he get it? So we just forgot about it for the most part. We'd remember every once in a while over the next couple of years and say, how did he get your number? That's so weird. And then we'd move on until I finally decided to look into it because it was just too weird. I wanted to find this guy. So I did a light Google search. We love a light Google of his name, the city, his occupation, et cetera. And multiple news articles come up about this piano tuner. Turns out this guy would cold call random households of married students, hope they had a piano tell them about a too-good-to-be-true sale, go to their house, tune their piano, get this, go through their medicine cabinets to steal their prescription drugs. The delivery dessert lady and the mystery piano tuner are in it together. I'm convinced he would just get access to local church congregations directories and make these cold calls. Wild. I asked my husband, and he didn't even try to pull any heist in our apartment, which is wise because one, he would have only found ibuprofen, UTI pain relief pills, and ringworm antifungal cream. And two, our, apart- our apartment was teeny tiny. And three, my husband sat in the room with him the whole time, watching him tune and make small talk. Not out of suspicion, just because my husband is friendly and was interested in the whole process. I think about this often. I think it's so weird, and it's kind of a juicy yet bland gossip story. Hope you enjoy. Here's one of the news links that the article is found in she sent me an article. This is a real thing. And literally the first sentence of the article is a local piano tuner was arrested Monday after allegedly stealing a woman's prescription medication. I don't even know where to begin with this. I never thought I would be so enthralled by a piano tuner mystery man. Okay, let's go on to the next one. She says, trigger warning incest. Just putting that out there. She put that in there. I'll add it in. It does have to do with incest. Maddie, Maddie, Maddie. I am about to rock your world with my small scale gossip. So my husband and I recently moved to the south for my husband's military training. We live in an extremely large complex that houses a bunch of military members and non-members alike. Well, last week while my husband was gone, I decided to go to my apartment complex's pool while I let my meal prep chicken defrost in the sink. Three men with receding hairlines tried to hit on me and I desperately needed an out. Luckily, in the nick of time, I end up running into my husband's roommate. I had only met him once from his training camp last summer and started making conversation to get away from the group of Y chromosomes. We talked for a while and eventually his fiance joined. His fiance, let's call her Ashley, turned out to be incredibly drunk, like more drunk than I've ever seen somebody before. And unfortunately, she decided that we were best friends for the night and decided to tell me her life story. At the end of it, she turned to me and said, you know how me and my husband's roommate, met because our dads were best friends. Well, that's actually not true. They're brothers. Maddie, I'm usually a very unfazed person, but let me tell you, I was very much fazed by the fact that they were cousins. I asked her what they were planning on doing when they had kids. She told me they Googled it. And according to Google, there will only be genetic deformities if incest is a regular occurrence in the bloodline, like Game of Thrones. This information in general stressed me out. So I decided to call it a a night and they did too. like it's enough for me it's enough incest i've heard enough joffrey all right uh two couples oh wait let's see unfortunately when she went to find their bag with their phone keys and wallet it was gone ashley decided that one of the other two couples at the pool took their bag they very much did not which i tried to tell her and started throwing their seltzers and juicy couture bags on the ground while screaming and cursing at them the detail in this story is immaculate This, of course, made the other couples upset, and so they decided to scream and curse back at them. Mind you, I'm an old woman in a 21-year-old body, and all I can think about is my meal prepped chicken in the sink. I was not cut out for this. I look over at her fiancé slash cousin slash my husband's old roommate, but he seemed alarmingly unbothered by her behavior. So I went to the other couple, apologized profusely, and told them that she just had too much to drink. They were understanding and said that the only reason they got so upset was because there was a loaded gun in one of the juicy couture bags. So they were afraid it would escalate. What in the world? Anyway, I corralled her and her fiance slash cousin slash husband's ex-roommate through my apartment because it was the only way they could get into the building since they didn't have their key card. That was a huge mistake because their door was locked and now they knew where I lived. So they were still my problem. The ex-roommate slash cousin slash fiance showed up at my door without his cousin and proceeded to explain to me his history of dealing weed while I tried to take deep breaths and cut my meal prep chicken. Keep in mind, it's 1 (laughs) a.m. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so overwhelmed. I need a Xanax. I asked him, where's his girlfriend? He said he couldn't physically contain her. So he decided to just go let her. So he decided to let her go get her ass kicked by the people at the pool. I seemed to be the only one alarmed by the fact that an extremely drunk girl was going to fight four grown adults with no phone or keys to get home with. He couldn't find her after an hour of searching the whole complex. She seemingly just disappeared, which again was alarming to only me. Luckily, he found the bag of keys and phones and wallets stashed by the bush by the pool. I told him to text me as soon as she showed up and I wake up in the morning and he had texted me that he had spoken to a police officer that resided in the building, not somebody employed by the building, just a tenant who apparently had his own personal security cameras hidden around the building. What? That that doesn't just a guy, a guy just set up some cameras around. I don't know about that. And he said they had her on footage walking around the complex that morning, but couldn't find her anywhere. Luckily, she showed up just under two days later, so she wasn't going to end up the subject of a new Dateline episode, but I am forever traumatized by that night. Anyway, I ended up getting food poisoning from my meal prep chicken that night, and I threw up the whole next day. Love you and the podcast. I need several moments. When I begin reading a story and it says trigger warning incest, never do I imagine that that's the tip of the iceberg. I am okay with a lot of ways that people choose to live their life. Okay, I can I can get past a lot. I can be very non judgmental about uh, basically every single life choice. I take pride in having an open mind. Okay, what I can't get behind is people who date their cousins. I feel like it's a pretty firm boundary with me. It's a it's a pretty big one. It's a it's a it's a pretty big thing that I I don't tend to overlook when somebody says that's my cousin. And I know that they're my cousin and I am going to choose to fall in love with them. That's basically, that's, that's one of probably like five lifestyles that I really can't get behind. It's behind like murderers and predators for sure. And like abusers, but people who participate in incest are, they're on my list. All right. I, uh, I got to read this one because you guys, I got to roast this a little bit. (laughs) This is the whole submission. It says, you will never believe the drama going on between my neighbors. That's the end of the story. <laughs> That's it. That's the only info I got. You guys, come on. I, I need some more. I need some more juice. I got to know what's going on. All right, let's end on this one. She says, oh, wait, I just lost it. Hold on. Sorry, everybody. Okay. She says a group of my friends and I got matching I'm not going to say what the tattoo is because I feel like it's a pretty distinct thing. What can I, I'll say pencil. It's the first thing I saw Got matching pencil tattoos a few months ago. Long story, but it was pretty sentimental. One friend who we always have drama with bailed at the last minute. (laughs) I love that. Love that you still included her in the group tattoo though, which was annoying because group tattoos take a lot of logistics to organize. Today, someone actually got the tattoo or someone who actually got the tattoo saw on Venmo that the girl who bailed had a transaction with the caption pencil tattoo. So she just went and got it on her own and didn't tell any of us. My jaw could not have dropped further. It is a it is a weird thing to say, I want to get a tattoo that matches all my friends, but then go alone. Cause I feel like half of that, half of the experience is like all going together. Apparently there's also drama. This just reminded me because she's talking about tattoos, but apparently there's drama going on here in Utah between like fine line tattoo artists and then like classically trained tattoo artists as an outsider. I mean, I have a, I have a mere one tattoo. Me and Matt have matching tattoos. It's like the smallest, tiniest little thing, Uh, but from an outside perspective, the tattoo community is, is intimidating. It's intimidating. Like I think where I'm just gonna be I'm gonna be totally honest this is how I feel I feel like most people want small tattoos or like little words That's what I want like I just want like words or phrases or little tiny things but it seems like if you want to hire a, a classical tattoo artist like a classically trained tattoo artist that you have to get something like a like really big So then people who want small tattoos go to the fine line people but then the fine line tattoo artists are, in trouble because they're not like real tattoo artists, but real tattoo artists only do the big, huge pieces. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. And I want tattoos and I'm scared. So if somebody could help me out with that, that would be awesome. Anyway, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, um, I am am headed to my fourth ketamine infusion tonight. I've been answering questions about it on my Instagram and I will do an episode after all the treatment. Sorry, this is a sharp left turn, but Uh, just want to let you guys know that that is coming. I've had a lot of questions about it and, uh, yeah, that's all, that's all we've got time for today, but I love you all so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being the best people in the world. I love you so much. I'll see you next week. Be safe, be kind, be hot. Love you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can catch a new episode of The Bad Broadcast every Monday. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss anything. Also, I want to hear from you, so please leave a rating and review. You can also follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast for all the behind the scenes action and more information. Talk to you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.